Hey, everybody. Good morning. We're going to jump into the Word. We're in Matthew chapter 6. We, we've been uh, in a series for uh, about two full months. We're going to continue through May in this series uh, called Kingdom Manifesto, and we're actually sharing um, the um, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest recorded sermon, and there's so much, uh, some would say meat, there's so much in these scriptures that, um, that Jesus is communicating to us, his, his followers, right, his disciples, of how to live in his kingdom. He's sharing his heart for his kingdom. And we've talked a lot about holy living. We've, we've talked a lot about having uh, healthy and proper motives. Uh, Jesus has shared a lot about trusting him. Today we're going to continue talking about trusting him, kind of to refer back to last week, we, we shared a heart of devotion last week. If you weren't here, just a couple of things that you need to know about last week that will help connect to this week. But we talked about having a heart of devotion, and we specifically drilled down a little bit on having an unhealthy desire for money. You know, money's not evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil, according to the Bible. Am, am I right? And it has led many, many people astray. And there's just something in us. There's something in us that if we're not careful, it connects. It, it, it's a desire. And it connects us to, to chasing after the dollar, or chasing after material stuff. Jesus really is hammering materialism in a lot of ways. He's drilling down in our lives. And he's, he's, he's questioning our motive. He's questioning the desires of our heart. And we said this last week. And I, I've really chewed on this a lot because I, I identify with this whole idea here. But we said that inherently people have a desire for security, right? And, and honestly, I think that's an innocent motive. I mean, it's healthy, actually, to have a desire for security. But, but somehow, when we entertain that desire for security too much and we focus on it too much, it... it it kind of leans towards the desire for control. And I said this last week. I'll say it again this week. I, I've, had to str I've had to fight this in my life, and I bet you have too, this desire to control, to control the outcomes, control the situation, control the things that happen in my life, the way people treat me, the way I present myself to people. I mean, we spend a lot of time. Come on, how much time did you spend this morning getting ready to come to church because you wanted to look good? You wanted people, I mean, you combed your hair, I hope. Jackson don't have no hair because he just got out of basic training, so he couldn't then in the comb, right? I remember those days. Uh, I can comb a little bit now, but uh, but you know you combed your hair, you took a shower, hopefully, you know, recently. Um, but we but we do we go through the motions, but it's it's sometimes just just proper, you know, hygiene, right? Proper, but a lot of times it's control. We don't like it when people mess with us. We don't like it when people go against us. We don't like it when people get our stuff or get in our stuff or cost us money. We get mad and we get offended. And Well, many times we just let it get to a point where we're bitter at people. and We don't, we don't have anything to do with people because of the way they've done us. They've treated us wrong. You know, done me wrong song or something like that. And Jesus is confronting this. Confronting that fear of losing security or control. And this week we're going to talk about having a heart of trust. And Jesus is drilling a little deeper on this idea of materialism. And he knows that 
our holding on to or latching on to security and control can lead us to anxiety and worry and stress, which are some funny little words that we'll talk about in a moment. But I, I think it's fair to ask this question as we get into this message today. It's fair to ask this question. And, and I want you to do this with an open heart and truly ask this question, not of your neighbor right there, but of yourself. Do I trust God? Now, if I went around, I won't, but if I went around the microphone and I asked that question, do, you, do I trust God? Do you trust God? I think we would get, you know, a resounding yes. I think people would say, yes, I trust God. Yes, I trust God. Yes, I trust God. Yes, I trust God. Well, let's see. Because the Bible questions that. Jesus questions that. Here's a couple more questions that will help us to answer, do I trust God? The do I trust God question. Do I worry? Just start doing this. It's it's good exercise. <laughs> do I get stressed out? Yeah. Do I ever live in fear? Yeah. And so the next question would be: Do my actions actually match my intentions? Because again, I think if I ask the question, "Do I trust God?" Do you trust God? I think we'd say yes. I think that is good intentions. We really, really want to. We really, really want to. But so often in our lives. Our actions don't match that intention. So come on, Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to help us today to answer these questions. You, God, we need you. We need you, God. Left to ourselves, we're a mess, and we make a mess out of this life. And we're so prone to run to everything that we think can help us. And the last thing we do is run to you. And today, we repent. And we're asking you to teach us today. Help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and following starts with this. Therefore, I'm just going to highlight real quick. He says, therefore, because he's talking about the few scriptures ahead of this that we talked about last week. And maybe you want to go back and read some of the earlier scriptures here before today's. But therefore, because we've talked about that, I tell you, this is Jesus talking to you and I today. I tell you, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Boy, it sounds so cut and dry, doesn't it? Black and white. Just... Who's old enough to remember Bobby Farron? Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Come on, Holly, help me out here. Me and you, we, got, we know that. Don't worry, be happy. That's the best I can do. Here we go. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. That word anxious means to take no thought. Don't be overly concerned. Don't be anxious about your life. And he goes on to say, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food? Come on, somebody. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus is, he's offering a very interesting perspective here. Because sometimes we get caught up, and maybe it's not food or drink or clothing that's got you all tangled up and worried. Maybe it's a new car or a new Jeep or, or uh, a new uh, iPad or a new iPhone or a new watch, iWatch, Apple Watch, or, or something new, something I want, something I got to have. Or maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it is food. I mean, the circumstances in your life, and you're there. And so this is, this is for all of us here. Jesus is saying, whatever it is, fill in the blank, whatever it is that you think is so important, is it? Is it really? I mean, and he goes to the essentials of life. 
Food and drink and clothing. I mean, those are the essentials of life, right? We got to have some of that stuff. And he says, is not life, is not life more than food? Is it, doesn't it consist of more than these things that you're worried and anxious about? He goes on in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? This is a big question that we're not going to be able to tackle today right here, but I'm going to tell you, in this room right now, there are people that you would struggle to answer that question, Yes. Because when you look in the mirror, you know where you've been, you know what you've done, you know what's been done to you, and you struggle to think that your life has any value or worth at all. Yet your Father that created you loves you. He loves you so much, you personally so much, that he sent his Son to die for you. And then Jesus brings it home and says, are you not more valuable than the birds that the Father takes care of and feeds? And which of you by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life by worrying. There's two words that we use often and, and, and synonymously in, in our conversations. There's two words that go. Probably I've heard more in the last two to three years since my whole life, but it's two words that we use synonymously, and it's the word stress and the word Anxiety, and I'm actually going to put it on the screen because I want you to see these two words. Stress is the soul. Next slide. There you go. Stress is the soul and the body's response to changes in our environment, changes in our circumstances. When stress happens, it's not always bad because sometimes we need the stress. Sometimes stress provokes us. It it causes us to uh, step into action. I, I heard somebody say this years ago, and I love this analogy, and I probably have used it here, but uh, if you're familiar at all with a motor, Brad, you can help me out here, just nod when I'm talking here, but on the front end of a vehicle, most every vehicle, there's a belt, that belt, serpentine belt on most modern vehicles, and that belt, if, 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 it's, if it's too tight, if it's too tight on there, it, it, it eventually, it's the tension, it's, the stress on it, it's going to snap, yet, however, if it's too loose, it doesn't do its function. It doesn't do its job, right? The, the, the flywheel doesn't turn. Uh, whatever's not turning, don't, don't correct me. But it's, <laughs> it's those thingies, those wheels in there. There's like lots, hundreds of them. I don't know. But <laughs> accessories. And so your air conditioner, none of it works. So there has to be a certain measure of tension. Matter of fact, it, help me. Tell me the word. What is that wheel that? It's a tensioner. Oh, my gosh. There it is. We need certain amounts of stress in our lives to bring some tension to provoke us, but then too much stress is not good. But when our circumstances change, our environments change, our soul, our soul and our body responds to it, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. That's the word stress. The, the word anxiety, on the other hand, is defined by persistent, excessive worries that don't go away, even in the absence of Attention or will, a stressor. Anxiety is something that comes. And I, I, I'm going to say this. If, if you've never had anxiety, like, okay, I'm going to use the word clinical here. That, that might be a little heavy. But just if you've never had clinical anxiety, 
then, then you may be here today and you may be going, ah, oh, man, just get over it. I've actually heard people say that. They, they say, well, I, I don't know what to do. I've got anxiety and people just tell me to get over it. And if it's, if it's clinical, you don't just get over it. It's not something you just get over. Anxiety is when you look at that stressor, that whatever it is in your life. I mean, it could be so many things in the worst case. And at the end of the day, anxiety steals your joy and it kills your faith and it destroys your hope. It doesn't accomplish anything positive in our lives. And Jesus says it doesn't increase your lifespan. <laughs> I would say anxiety is rooted in fear. Not always, but many times it's rooted in fear. And fear, of course, is the language of the devil. And so anxiety is not good. It's not okay. It's not healthy. You know, over the years, there's been a, a lot of things that have come in as stressors in my life and you too. And over the years, I mean, it can be money. It can be personal relationships. It certainly can be health issues physically, emotionally. It can be a job loss. It can be so many things. But there's one thing that has arisen that seems to be surpassing everything else when it comes to stressors in our lives and seeing the levels of anxiety increase in more people than ever before. And that's, that's the advent of social media. And social media has this way uh, of putting everyone else's highlight reel <laughs> right in front of us, and it seems as if what we do is we compare our lives, our everyday, normal, walking around lives to everyone else's highlight reel. Like some of you think I cook on the green egg every day. <laughs> you do. I mean, I have people tell me that, you know, it's like, Pastor Mike, I wish I lived at your house. You cook on the green egg all the time, and you know, I mean, so that's, you see my highlight reel. I think in this month, I've cooked, on the, I've cooked on my grill three times. And, and I posted pictures twice. And so two times in the month of March, I'm making a point. And, uh, well, I didn't post right the other day. I, this week, I grilled on it. I did some butterfly chicken legs. Have you ever done that? It is amazing. Season them up. A little sauce. Oh, my goodness. I got you. I got you lusting. Um, and I don't cook a lot, but you see it. See, you see my highlight reel. You see someone else's highlight reel, and man, they got it all together. They're doing it, man. They got all this stuff. They got all the new stuff. They got, oh, they're traveling everywhere. Oh, my goodness, they're everywhere. I want to be like them. Oh, my goodness. I wish I was your kid. I'd go with you. You know, it's, we, 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 we compare our everyday lives to everyone else's highlight reels, and it's devastating. It's devastating. And then there's the other side of it. We think we got to put all of our business on social media. Or maybe we don't think we need to, but because we can, we do. We put all of our business on social media. And then we got comments. Y'all ever read the comments? Sometimes I read just the comments for entertainment. Because people say the weirdest things. And it'll go on and on, and all of a sudden, you've got arguments in the comments about something you posted a week ago. And they're not arguing about what you posted. They're arguing about something they posted in your comments this week. 
And now you're reading the comments trying to say, no, no, that's not what I meant. And they're like, oh, get out of this. You're not, you're not involved in this. And yet they're in your comments on your social media. And it's just, there's so many elements. And I'm not saying get off social media. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going extreme with this. But I will say this, that if social, if, hey, can we do this? Can we do this? If social media is causing you stress and anxiety, there's, there's this, here's how you do it. If you have an iPhone, you hold down on the app for two, three seconds. And then this little X comes up, and it's shaking. And you hit the X, and there it goes. It's gone. <laughs> and then when you look at your phone, I mean, at first, probably for the first 30 days, you'll oh, oh, you want to download that app again because you're addicted, but don't. And get free, right? Get free. I can tell you, I can give you examples of many people who have done that. I'm not saying do that, but if, if, you're, if you're struggling with it. But social media is, it is an epidemic that is causing tons of anxiety. And there's, there's strong clinical correlations between social media use and, and mental health issues. Comparison, fear, overstimulation, just always in this world that doesn't really exist. Uh, negativity, and then, of course, the news that comes up. Oh, my gosh, the news that comes up. I don't believe anything anymore on social media. Can I just be honest? I don't believe anything anymore. If it's truth or not true, I don't know, and I don't believe it. I don't care. I'm just not going to believe it because too many times it's been untrue. People's opinions and their expectations. So let me point this out. There is a difference between anxiety and an anxiety disorder. If you're not sure where you fall in that, if, if you're not sure, if you just have, mm, you know what, the everyday comment, oh, I've got anxiety, that kind of thing. If you're not sure if you have that or if you have a clinical diagnosed anxiety, if you're not sure, I want to recommend, can I just recommend, as Pastor Mike, I recommend that you do see somebody. Go to a professional, not me, I'm not a psychologist, not a psychiatrist, but go see somebody. Go see your family doctor. Tell them what you're struggling with. Get a referral. See somebody. Get a counselor. You need to get help. If you had a broken little toe, well, that's a bad example because nobody does nothing about that. There we go. If you had a broken elbow, would, would, would you just ask a few friends, hey, what should I do? And if they say, oh, don't do anything. Come on, just have some faith, sister. Have some faith. You got a broken elbow. Just have some faith. Would you tell somebody that? Yet, I've got a broken brain or a broken emotional function, and yet we tell people, oh, just have some faith. Now, no, we should, and Jesus is fixing to do that. He's fixing to kick us in the knee. But if, if you haven't gone to a doctor and got a diagnosis, it, be careful about saying you have anxiety. You might just be bandwagoning. Many of us are not living with a disorder, but rather Matthew 20. Uh, 628, Jesus says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, again, no value. If God clothes the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you. And then Jesus says something very pointed. O you of little faith. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say something. It's my opinion here because we don't really know. None of us were there, right? 
But some, some would say Jesus probably looked out at him with a scowl on his face and, oh, ye of little faith. But I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like in this moment, I feel like in this moment, Jesus saying, come on, ye of little faith. It's, it's a faith thing. It's a faith thing. You're not trusting God. We want to really, really bad. But then we get in the heat of the moment and all this pressure and this, I mean, this feeling, this what we want to call anxiety. We want it to be anxiety because we don't know what to do with it. And Jesus is saying, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. You're living in fear. You're, you're, you're living in fear. You're not, you're not getting it. <laughs> Your father loves you. And, and, and look around, and I don't know, maybe he was on the hillside with this large crowd of people. Remember, remember he's on the hillsides of, of, of the, the, off the Sea of Galilee, south of Capernaum, and he, he's, he's there with his four disciples that he's called. He's there with religious people. He's there with a bunch of Jewish people, a bunch of Gentiles, people from all walks of life, probably not a lot different than this crowd. You know, he's there and he's, he's sharing. He's dead center of this message, man. He's preaching and he's just, he looks out and, and, and then he points over to the left. Or he says, like the lilies. You see those lilies? Oh, they're so pretty. God did that. Your father in heaven. And they're going to be thrown, they're going to be dead in a week. Yet he did that for them. The birds, look, those birds, he, he fed them today. And their value is nothing compared to your value. Why can't you trust God that he's going to take care of you? Why can't you? It's, it's, it, I want to, but why do we go to God last instead of first? Why do we go to everything else first? Why do we get to a point where we're in fear? We're living in fear. Oh, my goodness. I'm not going to be like Brad. <laughs> And have everything in the world and a great life and a great wife. And I just want what Brad has. And I mean, we do that. We go to that extreme with the stuff we want, we want. I don't, I don't have anything. And God's saying, you're missing it, man. I love you and I can take care of you, but you're not even coming to me, oh ye of little faith. Little faith. Miniature faith, faith that lives in fear, faith that goes to God last instead of going to God first. Jesus is diagnosing many of our problems right here in the scripture, a lack of faith. I'm going to say this, but I want you to hear my heart, please. Please hear my heart. I'm saying this, and it, and it will sound sarcastic, but I'm not. I want, I want, I want this to be conf confronting here, but... I think there's a tension between anxiety, stress, and just lack of faith. And I, and I think we, we, we use a lot of those words as excuses instead of bowing up and having faith. Instead, of, what, what does it look like to have faith? What is it? And so we have excuses and we say, well, I have stress or I have anxiety. A few weeks ago, I shared, I don't know, it might have been last week, but I shared that you know, there's just certain elements of Christianity that, that so many have failed to embrace. I mean, 
getting to the Word of God and reading the Word of God, the Word of God does something to my mind. And when I read the Word of God, it, I, I like to think of it as displaces the fear. It word in and fear out. And the fear and the Word have a hard time both resting inside my mind. It's hard to be fearful and full of faith. I actually don't know that it's even possible. Maybe it's a little possible, but, but when I put the Word in my mind, the fear goes out of my mind. I have a bolder faith, right? When I study the Word of God and I pray and I meditate on the Word of God, and then when I worship, when I worship, when I worship God, not just here on the screens, but when I worship God, when I turn it on in the truck or I turn it on in the house or I use my phone to turn it on, when I worship God and proclaim the goodness of God, not my weakness, but His greatness, when I proclaim those things, it does something to apprehend the fears that are always trying to come into my mind and cause me to bend towards anxiety, right? And so there's just these elements of Christianity that if we fail to use, I've told you all the story before when I was 15, 14 years old, an employee of my dad's a good friend, he, he gave me a 57 Chevy, come on, I mean, you know, it was like, and, and I, but it didn't have a motor in it. <laughs> I wish I had the body today, I know how to do that, not me, but I mean, I, Brad could put a motor in it. Um, it'd be worth a lot of money. We'd split it, right? I'm, I don't have it, though. And, and it's, the same, it's the same with Christianity. If you, don't, if you don't just, if you don't get the word in, if you, don't, if you don't learn how to put it on him, you know, casting your cares on him for he cares for you, then you're going to carry it, right? And so this is a crazy thought, but if I'm carrying anxiety, and again, again, let me just say, I'm not a professional psychologist. Y'all know that. I'm a pastor. If you, if you don't know, if you have clinical anxiety, you should go to a professional. Please, can I say that again? But then you have to ask the question, is it just that I have failed to build faith? And I'm one of the ye of, of little faith that Jesus is, is talking about here, I believe, with, with encouragement. God is able to take care of everything we need to fulfill his will in our lives. Do you believe that? I mean, I want to, right? Yes, God is able to take care of everything we need to fulfill his will in our lives. I'm saying that in a way that I want you to get this, that it's not that God says you need everything here, brand new pool and a big car, two cars and a house for both of them, just pouring it on. It does, the Bible doesn't say that at all. Matter of fact, you go to some countries in this world and preach that and they'll look at you funny, right? Because that's, that's not what it's saying there, but God will supply all of your needs he will for everything you need, for everything you need to accomplish his will. Arnie mentioned the Christians in Iran. You know, they're, God's not blessing them with new cars and new watches and new sneakers and new pools and all that kind of stuff every day like we want him to do to us. He's, that's, not, that's not the word of God. That's not his promise, by the way. He doesn't, he doesn't promise to... Bless us with excessive wealth. Matter of fact, excessive, he preaches excessive wealth actually can lead to trouble. And many have fallen away because of it. But at the end of the day, God, 
God can take care of us. Faith is believing that God is who he said he is and that he will do what he said he will do. Faith is believing that God is who he said he is and that he'll do what he said he will do. Jesus continues in verse 31, therefore, because of what we just read, do not be anxious, pleading with us now, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. In this, this case, the unbelievers, we're, we're in the church, right? So the majority here, believers, right? We have intent on trusting in God. But even the people who don't know God, they do that too. They do that. They worry about all that stuff. For even the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And then verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. What things? All the things you need to live according to God's will. Everything you need to live according to God's will will be given unto you if you seek first what? His kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God. Doesn't say seek it last as last resort, as an insurance policy. Just in case your own things don't work out, there's God. He's your safety net. No. Seek first the kingdom of God. Again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about ingesting the word, worshiping God. Seek first the kingdom of God. I, I will say this. As a, as a new Christian, 30 plus years ago, I didn't really understand what that meant. But as I've grown in Christ, I've seen the value of seeking first God's kingdom. Going to him first. Running to him first. I, 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 still, I still slip and mess up. Sometimes, you know, I, I've been guilty of this with... Um, People where someone will say, man, oh, I did it with Nikki. Nikki, where are you? So I did it with Nikki this morning. I caught myself, Nikki. I'm going to apologize to you right now in front of everybody. But Nikki and I were in the back talking, and she was telling me about something, an issue that she has. And, and I said, well, you need to get that checked out, Nikki. Oh, and we'll pray too. Mm-hmm. And immediately this sermon came to mind, and I'm like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> Good example, right? But it's true. We still do that sometimes. Oh, we better get it checked out, get some opinions. Oh, and yeah, we need to pray too. <laughs> but really, a, a, a believer who trusts God, who says, you know what? Hey, God, we pray first. That doesn't negate the fact that you do need to get checked out, but we pray first. Come on, come on, pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray over Nikki's physical body right now. In faith, in this room, we have faith to believe that the stripes of Jesus were for her healing. And right now, we just thank you, Father, for glorifying yourself and healing Nikki's physical body. And that, that, that the testimony will be that, that we prayed and God healed. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you because you are majestic and you are the healer of our soul and the healer of our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray because we believe God. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Jesus concludes in verse 34, this portion of the message. He says, therefore, again, based on everything we've just said, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. There's a lot in that, right? A lot in that. There's trouble today. There is. Remember, we go back to the beginning. Stress is good. (laughs) Some of the trouble that comes our way is good. It forces us to action. 
Today, though, has enough trouble to do that. We don't need to bring tomorrow's trouble into that. It becomes too much stress, too much tension. Yet I know, you know, it's tough not to worry about tomorrow. What are we going to do tomorrow? Where are we going to be next week, next month, next summer? And we live by calendar, right? You live by calendar? Some people live by a calendar, and we've got to have it all planned out, all marked out. And too often it brings in all the stress of that into today, and it's too much tension, Brad, and it breaks the belt. And we find ourselves frazzled and not capable of just making day-to-day decisions. And at the end of the day, it, it, it could be fear. Fear. And Jesus said, come on, guys. Let's, 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 let's wind this thing back in. Let's put a new belt on. And let's begin to trust God for today. What is it that's coming into your life with tension today? Let's trust God. Let's say, God, what do you want to do with that? Here's a good question. What is the tension that I need to manage today? I can't worry about tomorrow. You get me on this now. Don't, don't, don't be extreme. If you got a bill coming due to next week, don't spend all your money today and say, well, I'll worry about that next week. You know, <laughs> no, put it in an envelope or something. But, but I'm going to trust God today. Let me give you a, a small thing, and then we're going to wrap up. A small thing, a small little help. Sometimes we try to eat the whole elephant in one bite, it's just not possible. One bite at a time, one day at a time, one stressor at a time, we handle that. We process it. We take it to God. And I want you to try this. I want you to try this this week. Whatever the stressor is, you might can do it right now. You can do it today. You can do it tomorrow. You can do it this week. I want you to, whatever it is that stresses you this week, that stressor for that day, I want you to, first thing, I want you to take it to God, and I want you to pray about it. To God. Talk to Daddy, Father, God about this. Father. I'm trusting you with this. And let's see what happens. One at a time. I think, I, think, I think if you get some little victories where this relationship of trust, I, I, I'm going to use this example. I just think, I think it need, it's needed. Mariah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use an example from your life. Can I do that? Can I have your permission? So Mariah's... Yeah, no, she's one of the most amazing women of God I know. So years ago when Mariah was a teenager, um, her and a friend were supposed to be going to Impact. Can I tell the story? You know where I'm going. Are we still okay? It's going to land. No, you're going to be the hero. <laughs> Mariah's my daughter, by the way, if you didn't know. So Mariah and a friend, Cody, were going to... Oh, I shouldn't have said Cody. No, we're going... <laughs> She's not here right now. But they were headed to Impact. That's what we all thought, right? So they didn't go to Impact. They went to Diablo, went to a movie. Skipped Impact. Somebody knew and called me. <laughs> so now I know. And she don't know I know, but they got home. And I'm standing at the counter. And I said, hey, where y'all been? Impact. Ooh. So now she not only did something deceptive, but she lied about it. And um, so we had a conversation right there that I think, I think is very, very parallel to the conversation Father wants to have with you right now. I said to Mariah, I said, Mariah, you need to understand something. Our whole relationship is built on trust. Everything I give you, and you've got a car and a cell phone and a home to live in and no bills and lots of food and and love and care and security, all the things that you have, I give you freely because I trust you. This relationship is built on trust. But now you have violated that trust, and now I can't trust you, so I need your phone and I need your keys and you're grounded now in this house, and I need to know everything you're doing and everywhere you're going because you have violated the trust 
But I concluded with the good thing is you can earn that trust back. But I need to see it. I need to, I need to feel it. All right. And I think so. And she did. She did. I mean, probably 30 days later, she was driving and, you know, calling. Not at the same time, but. Whether she got that lesson right then, I know she has it now, but whether she got it right then or not, it didn't matter. But because the, the whole idea, though, it's, it's principle, and it's principle with us and God. Your relationship with God is based on trust, and do you trust Him? Trust, listen, trust is not trust until trust is tested. Your trust is being tested in the little things. Do I trust Him? I can say it all day long, my intentions are good. But do my actions line up with my intentions? Do I follow through with it? Do I go to God? Do I trust him with it? Or do I worry about it? Take it on my shoulders. Real quick, some takeaways. What do I do if I'm dealing with anxiety? Number one, cultivate healthy, godly relationships. This is so important. Having Christian relationships, connections in the local church, connections with one another. Look around. This is God's gift to you, the body of Christ. Have relationships that you can go to people and say, I'm really worried about this. Can you pray with me? Or can you, what, what do you recommend? Having somebody to speak truth into your life, to speak not a bunch of fluff, not a, bu- not a bunch of social media stuff, but truth in your life and say, no, you, you, you can't do that. That's, you know you can't do that. Come on, girl. You know you, I'm, come on. No, we're going to pray about that right now. And then we're going to follow up and we're going to make sure we, you good? You good? We got that relationship, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we need that healthy, godly relationships. Number two is you have to create some healthy boundaries. I, I mentioned a while ago, you may have to delete social media. If, if you're wrestling with anxiety, just test it for 30 days <laughs> if you can. But you've got to have some boundaries in relationships. If people are just taking advantage of you, if you, you're not saying no to some things and you're over-obligating, whatever it may be, we've got to have some healthy boundaries. Am I right? And number three, seek professional help. I've mentioned this. In some ways, it can be spiritual. In some ways, it needs to be professional. But that's why healthy relationships, because somebody will speak to you and say, you need to go see somebody. See your pastor. You may be in a small group. Run it by your small group leader. If they can't handle it, they're going to bump it up. You know, it's, it, but let's get some help. Let's stop hiding and running and living in worry and fear and stress and anxiety. And let's stop. Step out in faith and let's begin to address those things that we're struggling with so that we can get some help. And I've said this multiple times, so I'll conclude with this. Trusting in God with a grateful heart. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious. Paul is echoing the words of Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. God, you can do this. Let your requests be known to God. Let your request be known to God. God, you can do this. Father, in Jesus' name, we just bow our heads right now. We get alone with you. We, we want to repent, Father, for carrying what we shouldn't carry, what only you can carry. Or, Father, we, right now, we, we, we repent of expecting others to do for us what only you can do. We've looked to ourselves. We've looked to others too often. And, Father, right now, we repent and we return to you the one who created us, the one who promised to take care of us, the author and finisher of our faith, God, we return to you. And Father, we ask you to forgive us. Father, forgive us. We've devised our own plans. We've got our own ways. And we lay them at the feet of Jesus today. And whatever that is, that thing, that stressor, 
We lay it at your feet. And God, we put action to our intent and that we trust you. We trust you. Come on, somebody, you need to say it. God, I trust you. He needs to hear you. God, I trust you. I'm so sorry that I've tried to do it without you. God, I trust you. God, I lay down my pride. I lay down my, my own desires, and I trust you. Father, I, I pray for me, and we pray for us, that you would help us to, to be like Jesus in the garden before he was arrested and crucified. Help us to see that your way is the better way, and we've tried our way. Jesus said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And we want to say that today with whatever it is we're carrying. We, we want to say, Father, not our will, but yours be done. Not our will, but yours be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Father, I trust you. I trust you. I give it to you. Come on, this takes just a little time. The Holy Spirit's here now and he's breaking through and he's... He, he's reminding you of the gospel right now. He, he's reminding you, oh ye of little faith. We cannot do this on our own and we don't have to. Jesus has done it all and he says, trust me. Trust me. Embrace the, embrace the Holy Spirit right now as he moves in your life. And just receive some trust. I trust you, Father. I trust you. In Jesus' name. Come on, nobody looking around. Let's just, let's just stay right here for a moment. If you're here today, if you're here today and you hear about this great love of Jesus, I want you to hear this. The, the Bible tells us so clearly that Jesus loves us so much that he wasn't okay with us being separated from him because of the sin in our life. And God sent his son, his one and only son, Jesus, to die on a cross and to give his life as the payment for the, the penalty of our sin, of my sin, of your sin. And Jesus did this for us. And the Bible says that on the third day, he, he was resurrected from the dead. He came out of the grave and he's alive today. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's praying for you right now. He's praying for you right now that you would receive the love of the Father. And the Bible tells us that if we will believe in our hearts that Jesus died for our sins, and that if we'll confess it with our mouth, that we would be saved. Saved, rescued from eternal separation from God, that we would be saved. If you're here today and you've never done that, or, or, or possibly you did it as a little kid, but now you're like 50, 60, 70 years have passed, and separation between you and God is so great. You don't know him. He doesn't know you. If, if that's you or you, 
just pray something like this. Pray this to God right now. Say, Father in heaven, come on, help me out, folks. Father in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. I turn from them today, and I ask you to save me. Come live inside of me. Teach me to know you. Teach me to love you. Teach me to trust you. Just tell him this. I give you all of me, Father. And I receive all of you. In Jesus' name, amen.